The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 270 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analysts is where you can find over at MMA Junkies, well as oddschecker.us.com. But in this year program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully it's before the fight. Recording this just a couple hours after weigh-in time here on West Coast Pacific Time. Specifically, though, UFC 270, the card in question. Francis Ngannou versus Cyril Gaon. Uh, We'll be breaking that down from top to bottom, of course. Check the timestamps. But, of course, that's going on next door. Not here in Vegas. Next door, Anaheim, California. Um, so, uh, yeah, maybe it's better we did a little bit of a later breakdown instead of Thursday or Friday again because of the... Uh, uh, COVID era, especially uh, in here in the United States, um, uh, you know, where uh, we still have issues with uh, vaccinations and, and, and masks. It's, it's like a crazy concept still. Um, so uh, go, keep yourself protected. Protect yourself at all times, folks. We're going to break break it down the card. Check the timestamps. Uh, top to bottom, as per usual, for UFC 270, of course, we're going to just do a quick top to bottom recap of last week, the uh, first fight week of 22. 2022, 2020, 2020, 2020, 2020, 2020. If you're uh, Brandon uh, Royville, shouts to him. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, like I need it. Let me get some uh, coffee and, and some fluids, actually, more so. And some water, water. Oi. Oi, V. All right, let's go, folks. Um,. Yeah, uh, let's let's let's. I don't want to promise anything crazy, but you know, hey, let's uh, let's try to get this as fast as we can. Uh, last week we did good on picks and analysis. I will say those were good. Eight and two. Um, I should have got the main. I should have just had the balls to pick Calvin Cater. I didn't, but at the very least, you guys could read between the lines and um, my hatred for Chikadze's style. Not the man, but his style. Although. He continues, uh, as I said, he doesn't seem like the most uh, likable guy, uh, despite his charity, which is awesome, and still not talked about by him either. So, uh, whatever there. But um, I at least did tell you guys, um, keep your money away. Do not bet on Chikadze. Um, you know, you shouldn't be laying that chalk, and you should have been smart enough anyways for that. That that was just uh, silliness. Um, but I can't talk too much shit because I picked him. Uh, and even though a lot of people picked him, it still I sh- should have had the balls to pick Cater because, um, you know, um, shouts to the MMA Analysis Podcast. I know they were on him. Um, and shouts to Luca Fury as well. His breakdown pretty much nailed the fight. Now, I wasn't as confident that, that Cater was going to um, go forward because that's kind of been his problem is directionality. Um, so it wasn't that, you know, the analysis wasn't wrong there, but Again, in a pinch, you know, sometimes you just got to pick that experienced guy to do what's right. They don't always do that. But in that matchup that's asking for it, a guy that I even I said myself was going to get taxed, 
I'm just kind of slapping myself for not uh, making my money back uh, on losing my money in Chikadze on the last two times. Those are the only two times I bet against him. Was uh, Cub, who, again, still showed that his game's still intact. Fuck me, right? And, of course, Barbosa, who, again, if he doesn't get hit with that one flurry, he's, I think, pretty much, pretty much home free. Um, you know, I, I saw you know Giga saying he's the best boxer and all that stuff before the fight. I'm like, oh, this guy's asking for it. Um, and I wanted to bet against him right there. I was going to wait uh, for a live opportunity, like I stated in my written and podcast, but that never came. Uh, again, that was one thing I was wrong about because uh, the directionality, I figured at the very least, uh, Cater had to be kind of uh, smacked into that directionality. And um, no, he he and his, his team uh, knew what was up and shouts to Tyson Chardier. And uh, regardless of result, we'll talk about Eric Nixick soon. I, I love these guys, man, you know. Uh, it wasn't just me going with a contrarian pick last year for Coach of the Year by both giving them co-coach awards. I feel like they quietly earned it and have since quietly proved their supporters right. So hopefully you were supporting them at plus money. I didn't officially, and I didn't have the opportunity to jump in, so I can't bump my chest. I'm going to slap myself instead. Even if the analysis, you know, was defensible, and I still told you at the end of the day, the values on Cater. It was. Congrats to them. Um, I should have had the balls, and that's going to be something that I do kind of for now on, and and, and we'll get to that. That doesn't mean I'm going to be stupid and place money every time or place a lot of money or tell you to place money, you know. Um, you know measure yourself accordingly, and we will. As far as these picks, though, you know, if it's that close enough, then fucking take the dog or fucking take the more experienced guy. Take the pick that's going to you're going to be able to sleep better at night, regardless if you bet it or not, right? Um, uh, and that's not all the time because again, your biases can really fuck that equation up. But you get what I'm saying. Jake Collier defeated Chase Sherman. Uh, we missed the prop there. Round three sprinkle. Man, we've been missing round sprinkles like crazy. I really got to come correct. And what the annoying part is, and I know this is the same tune, you go, it's all with the analysis. But I, I'm getting close to hitting these motherfuckers. Not this one, though. Not this one. So I got to I gotta come clean there. Uh, because, you know, in my defense, um, most people didn't see uh, you know, Collier taking to the ground and ended it that early, I guess. I think it was round one. We all thought it was going to be Chase Sherman. But um, unfortunately, what I thought about Chase was right. It's not a great place. And um, Collier, the more well-rounded fighter. I should have laid the money line. It got juiced. A lot of these things, like the Chukagian decision and Collier, I'm like, ah, oh, too rich for my blood at minus 120 or minus 130, minus 140. And then it gets juiced past you know minus 150, and I don't want to bet anymore. And it hits as... as you know, and especially with these, you know, lacks or last-minute offerings and uh, undependable sample sizes we find ourselves betting on. It's like, why don't you just... If it's a confident angle, just take the fucking juice, you know? Um, if it's playable juice, right? I mean, it's still under minus 170, you know, for poor man's playable juice. Anyways, um, good on Collier. Uh, Brandon Royville defeated Rogerio Bontorin uh, by decision. Man, that was... Or split decision. Uh, I don't disagree with the decision. Probably should have got that sub. I'm not the guy that goes, oh, he tapped. Um, but even in the replays, like it, it did look like a tap to me that he got away with one. Um, that he went to tap and saw that he'd kind of get away with it, kind of a thing, like a change mid-course. But I'm also biased because I bet Royville round three, right? So um, it's hard for me to make that case. I will say I rarely say that, and I do think that. I'm not going to sit here and get upset about it. 
Um, but I will say, you know, again, with Roy Vold, always almost hits because he's always almost going for the finish. But even though it didn't hit the rounds two and three, I don't really regret those sprinkles. They were small. And uh, again, they almost they almost uh, hit. Chukagin defeated uh, Death Death Tax, you know, Death and Taxes, and Chukagin by decision uh, defeats Jennifer Mayan by unanimous decision. Um, again, I should have laid that. Uh, Vyacheslav Borshev defeated Dakota Bush. My analysis here was right, but of course, uh, the one prop the, in, in a fight in a fight card full of overs, the one over your boy lays misses. Hopefully, I don't overcorrect the steering wheel. We'll get to that this week, but um, that was really annoying. So I apologize for that. But my my analysis was right again. It was you know Dakota Bush was going to have a lot of success early, you know uh, maybe even a ten eight, and if he would have survived the round and not given things away, maybe he would have right because he had a. Uh, Borshev rocked, it looked live. Um, but Borshev, like I said, you know, he's able to get up without getting his back taken and, and come back into fights. He's got uh, devastating counters. And even though I do stand by Bush having a durable chin, the liver cares not about your chin, folks. The liver will take the most strongest of men down. Which is why I love it so much. Um... So, uh, yeah, uh, Borishev, uh gets him out of there early. Um, Bill Algio defeats Joe Anderson Brito. This, again, the uh, analysis goes as planned. Interesting round, though, you know. It was a really interesting round. You could have, I think, I think I, I don't know if it was round two people were arguing for Brito, but I think you could have quietly flipped it and argued the other way around because Brito, I think he might have arguably landed the biggest shot, depending on how you read Algio or not. Because he's so confident, it's hard to tell if he's really okay, if he's overcompensating. Um, obviously, he was okay, but it looked like Brito landed some big shots. He just would crowd his work, of course. I still stand by that. He's going to get check hook knocked out, but but he gets uh, knocked off by Bill Algio, um, who cashes. I should have I should have laid that dog. Um, you know, I was already picking the dog. Why not lay him, right? Uh, so again, the analysis and the picks can be good, but it's how you play it. These are all three three different things, right, folks? Great example of it here. Jamie Pickett defeated Joseph Holmes. One of the couple, one of the two picks I got wrong, and maybe I would have got this right if uh, I probably should have picked blind big Pickett. Um, I just saw the odds and got scared away. And Pickett's not really a backable fighter, so I was like, well, fuck it. I don't really care. I'm not going to play this fight anyways. I don't care to look into it. I'll just pick the favorite and move on. Um, I paid for it. Probably, you know, again. If I would have done the research on that and then listened to my hat in the main event, uh, maybe this could have been easily a perfect card because everything else went as planned. Brian Kelleher, like I told you, real dangerous trying to find an angle um, because he's got that wrestling in his back pocket, um, and that is what he needed. Like I told you guys, even Kevin Crew ran out of gas, and even with a full camp, and got out-wrestled even with a full camp. Via Alex Caceres... Um, who was a former bantamweight, albeit bigger than Kelleher, obviously himself. Uh, but yeah, Kelleher's wrestling good enough, like I said. TJ Brown defeated Charles Rosa. His wrestling was good enough as well. Unanimous decision. Um, you know, Rosa had his moments to win, but he just kept giving up position, you know. Um, Would have uh, been frustrated if I if I bet Rosa. Um, and I've been there many a time, so I'm not, I'm not coming from my high horse on you if you did here. On that one. All right, that was that card. How do we do on 10? 11.36, not bad. All right. UFC 270. Um, headlined by two title fights, of course. At the top is a heavyweight affair. 
Cyril Gaon, minus 145, the interim champ. Uh, incumbent champ, despite opening as his light favorite, has been pushed to underdog dog. It's plus 125. Um, uh, <coughs> wow, that's pretty high. I may have to force my hand there. Um, I'm picking on Nganu here. Of course, my in-depth uh, breakdown, which I put a lot of work into. It's hard to get through the work. You know, he said, good in the breakdown video. I appreciate that. Uh, but, like, it, 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 it comes in days and, and waves with this uh, COVID stuff. It is real. Not like any flu or any cold I've had. That's for damn sure. Still not smelling, which is probably a good thing due to my dog's gas. Shouts Benjamin. Who is doing better? I was really frustrated at the beginning of this week. Because um, he was having some stomach issues. But he seems to be pulling through. So, thank you guys for that. Um... I just fucking, he is the light of my life, and uh, I feel so vulnerable. Um, but just like my love for dogs, I like the dog here in Francis Ngannou, um, and got to state my bias as well, because I got love for his team. Um, uh, you know, not as much as I love my Benjamin here. Sorry, Eric Nixick, but it, it just, just kidding. Eric Nixick is, is pretty damn close to family to me. Um... I don't, I somehow haven't had him on this podcast yet, and I'm always reminded whenever, like, Ngannou fights, everybody wants his ear, and all the journalists are getting him on and whatnot, and I'm just, like, I'm, I'm actually, like, you know, tight with this dude, and I don't even, like, pull that journalist card, which is why I'm a bad journalist and a bad businessman, and, and I'm not a journalist anyways, a bad media person, I should say, because, you know, most media people are, like, just selling their soul, you know, for connections and stuff, and meanwhile, me, the few connections I actually do have and insides I have, I'm like, eh. I want to respect their space. That being said, I did actually talk strat strategy ahead of this fight with uh, Coach Eric Nixick. And um, I don't speak out of school with that. Uh, I would never. So I'm not going to hear, uh, which is another reason why I don't exercise these things. It's not like I'm going to go fucking, so guys, just so I can go talk about it on my podcast. Like, betray some of the few people that I actually uh, uh, love and have been good to me in this space. Like, why the fuck would I do that? No. Uh, but I will say... Even though I won't, I can't, wouldn't, shouldn't, wouldn't, won't ever uh, divulge a private conversation. I, I will say I like their game plan, and it was essentially uh, not too really far offline from what uh, what I thought would be the best way to fight gone, which I lay out in my breakdown. So go read the breakdown and, and listen here, here. Um, does that mean it's gonna he's gonna win? Of course not. It's MMA. It's heavyweight MMA, folks. So. You know, bet accordingly, which means if you're going to bet, bet small and keep it fun because you, uh, it's bad for your health betting MMA. Uh, well, that too, but, but the heavyweight MMA, I should say, long term especially. Um, it's a very volatile game. Uh, but there are certain shots. Um, my original read still holds true, uh, which is um, pressure and measured pressure is good against a guy like Gon because his defense tends to fall apart to the fence. He kind of has some JDS tendencies, right? His angles get taken away. Now he's relying just on head movement. And you really look at what Francis Ngann has been working on um, and what he showed in that Stipe Miocic fight is kind of the blueprint for how I think you should fight a guy like Gon. Um, smart pressure, small steps, pivots, leg kicks, body work, smart shifting combinations when you do blitz, uh, counter-wrestling the clinches, right? 
um, which is the double-edged sword there, why I kind of posted that clinch thing. Also, there was limited clinch footage, as you know. Sometimes I have to put, put, have to uh, publish my own gifts before I publish them in the breakdown articles, right? Um, so people were kind of confused on that. Some people were in awe. Some people were like, he's going to get knocked out. Uh, my message was that he's going to get counter-wrestled because you see Gone throw the flying knee that misses, and he allows Derek Lewis, of all people, to get double-unders. Uh, of course, Derek Lewis could not complete the takedown, and Gon's takedown defense was good enough to defend. But against Nganu, uh, I, I don't think so. And as we saw with the Stipe thing, he doesn't need the full takedown and control time um, because when he got the takedown, what did he smartly do? He keeps his chest over Stipe and then wings hooks under the armpits, um, striking in those in-between spaces that he's done with JDS, other former champions in past fights. Um, just a more refined version of it, again, under under the Extreme Couture Collective with Eric Nixick, Dewey Cooper, and the rest. Uh, so I really like those things. You know, he's kind of already showed the things I would want to see against a fighter like Gon. But uh, more importantly, one thing I really did see, speaking of JDS, you go to the end of his first fight. And I talk about this. There's things I talk about in the video breakdowns that I don't write about, so it's always good to watch those. And it's always, of course, the best to go to this podcast, but there's things that I miss in each arena. So again, it doesn't hurt to kind of touch all my, all my, touch all my bases. <laughs> They're so warm, the phrasing, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know what I'm saying? Keep it clean folks. But, um, at the end of that drip first round of JDS gone, um, JDS hits him with a check hook, right hand follow-up return that it's not, it doesn't hit him clean, but it sends gone flying back to the fence. Right. Um, and then you just go look at that and then look at the check hook of, uh, and Nganu's always wanted to throw some version of a check hook. He's kind of had, in the past, he always kind of throws the more wider, um, JDS ones and JDS threw a sloppy version of his own one that caught gone. Uh, but now he's kind of has that tight hook and, and credit to Daniel Cormier does a great, uh, in-depth breakdown on it. I tweeted a clip of that in conjunction because it, it fit exactly what I was saying already. Um, in my breakdown summary, uh, as far as some of the refinements that you start to see where Ninganu goes from always having that underrated left hand under Fernand Lopez, who is obviously the coach of Gone. They come from the same camp. Ninganu no longer with them. Uh, to now what it is an educated left hand. You hear Rogan use that term and abuse that term a lot. I, I, I feel like it applies here. Um, much more educated uh, with the way he throws his left hooks now, the short left hook especially. I mean, look at him. He doesn't need a lot of power, so he should be throwing these things technically more clean. Uh, he'll find a lot more knockouts that way than he already inherently will naturally, being who he is. Um, and you, you you put that up against what he does to Stipe, uh, to, to what uh, Cyril uh, gets hit with at the end of the first round against JDS. And even just watching other fights and stuff, Bozer's fights against Bozer and other fights, which, by the way, Bozer gives him a deceptively tough fight because Bozer, even though he's not as big as Ninganu, he's got the speed and mobility, uh, which, you know, people focus on Ninganu's power first. Then maybe they start to focus on his speed, the more keen eye. Uh, it's his intelligence and putting things together is, is where kind of I'm at. Um, I've been really focusing on, on this one because he's shown that he can accept it, listen to him talk. Uh, there's some deceptive things there. I know he can seem very rigid in many arenas in the way he talks. Uh, English is his second language, so you got to really read between the lines. But there is some real um, some intelligence there as far as this man is focused on the objective, as rigid as it may seem at times. Um, and, yeah, I just feel like that left hook's always kind of going to be there. 
Uh, and then he's going to have, of course, his steady objective of working the body, legs, and getting gone to the fence. Um, it's frustration is going to be the key. If Ngannou, if he loses rounds early, that actually doesn't bother me as much. I think that maybe he can win earlier, even though I'm picking him by second round. I feel like he can win later um, and, and make effective choices uh, throughout the fight more than given credit for. Um, that being said, I, yeah, I am picking him by second round. Uh, I, I think the more the key is, not so much the timing, although later does favor God on paper. I'm not, I'm not denying that. I just think frustration is the key. Once you start seeing Ninganu frustrated, that's that's going to be the big key for him uh, getting beaten here. Um, other than that, I think he, he knocks him out in round two. Um, if you do like Gone, I don't suggest you pay chalk for him. Uh, I feel like you can get you could get a plus number with the over angle two point five. Hard to find that plus number now, but you can find something near even pretty much. Uh, even money, which is a discounted price tag at the very least, and I believe Gone opened at even minus 105. Did he not? No, he didn't. He opened at plus 165. Jesus, he really flipped. Hard to justify a bet, but uh, again, Ngannou can do better later than than given, and obviously later rounds is Gone's home. So over 2.5 is a is a decent angle if you like the Gone side. However. Uh, I don't, and it's heavyweight MMA, so um, I'm probably just going to sprinkle in Ngannou, depending on where this line goes and how I do. I actually, despite what um, the fights got taken off, so unless something gets taken off between now and fight day, knock on wood, um, this will be one of the more up-to-date mark uh, breakdowns on the market you can listen to, so thank you guys for listening. Uh, next fight, uh, I you know, this morning, uh, my in-depth... Uh, MMA Junkie dropped on that, so I really suggest you check that out where I recap the fights, uh, give adjustments, and so forth. But yeah, Brandon Moreno defending his title, minus 180. Davison Figueredo, plus 155. Oh, nice to get Sorry. Uh, he, I love Figueredo, but he's just definitely one of those fighters that, you know, um, like like Giga, you know, he's just he just, he gets all the hype. Uh, so of course, you know, I gotta give love to Moreno, who's just fucking one of the few wholesome fighters out there. That being said, that's not why the reason why I picked Moreno here. Essentially, I think he's the more consistent fighter, uh, first and foremost, where you can kind of hang your hat on if you're gonna make an argument for this fight, let alone Moreno. Um, but, uh, he also is the better adjuster, uh, as fights go along, um... Uh, they're both one and one in, in rematches, even though I don't know what you want to consider this fight because it's a. Uh, I don't know if you consider a rubber match of sorts since it was a draw. Although I think that Figueroa should have won regardless of point deduction, forty-eight forty-six with it, uh, four rounds to one. Um, he landed the more damaging shots. Uh, but uh, yeah, we saw that. You know, I don't know if he said it was a wake up, but it, it clearly just seemed to be. You know. Not the same, and I hate to take away from from Moreno, and I'm picking Moreno, so I'm not. I'm clearly not taking away from him, but you know, it clearly, you know, Figueroa's like I think he lands 55. They both land 55 shots officially, significant strikes, in the first fight, uh, round one, round one in the second fight. Moreno answers that call again with 54 out of whatever. Uh, I think Figueroa's like 13 or some shit. But like, if you look at it, it's not even that he's missing. He's barely throwing, and it's not even that he's barely throwing. He's on, like, the back foot and, like, just content. He's not even pushing like he normally does. Um, he gets dropped, you know, and he gets dropped in that round. 
Um, tries to go to wrestling after getting hit and stung by another jab, even though he doesn't get dropped in the second round. That eventually gets turned on him despite his best efforts to control via a cradle. Uh, as Moreno goes on to control and win the rest of that round. And then kind of uh, wash, rinses, and repeats. Sees that he can take him down, which I think he can anyways. Um, it's going to have to be more well-timed doubles if Moreno wants to. But uh, I feel like the wrestling is more on even play, whereas before I gave wrestling a slight edge to Figueredo. And even if Figueredo, with working with Henry Cejudo, um, can reclaim that slight edge in wrestling that me and many perhaps give him, um, I feel like wrestling will be diminishing returns. Uh, even, uh, Eric, I don't want to say in shape, because some of his most in shape, you know, it's kind of like Bontarin. Uh, it's like when he makes the weight is like when he has some of his suspect performances, like when he barely makes the weight, cheats the scale, misses weight even is when he uh, wins and has better performances, you could say. Um, uh, although that's not true either because he had a tough weight cut in Brazil and probably should have lost to, uh, what was it, Jared Brooks of all people, right? Uh, when he kept jumping guillotines and he was getting wrestled. Um, and then there's other fights where he's found the finish like against Alex Perez and stuff where he's just made like really suspect moves and he's like lauded for him when, you know, other fighters, which it was shown, I argue Moreno, um, make him pay as soon as they get past, as soon as you can, you can get past his frames. He's really strong. Um, and he's got good butterflies and frames and as we saw in the first fight, Figueredo. But once you get past those, you, you really make him work. Uh, he will, uh, he will take position and it'll take a lot for him to get out. He'll have bursts, but, um, you can win those rounds, or at least should win those rounds in, in Jared Brooks' case. Um, so that's my aspect on the wrestling. And then as far as exchanges go, uh, Figueredo, you know, he's the more devastating counterfighter, but it's more one-two layers of counters, whereas layered through exchanges and extended exchanges, I feel like Moreno um, can come out better. Um, and so that's going to be good for him. And Moreno, you know he's still going to be susceptible to bad rounds early, even though I like that he made some some things like, you know, D Davison came out and kicked his leg early and countered him hard, right? And that's what he kind of used was hard hard kicks and counters uh, in the first fight. But even in the first fight, he gets away from the teat kicks to the body, which he should go back to, as well as the calf kicks um, to the leg, which obviously he should go back to. Uh, Moreno clearly takes the kicking initiative away from him in the second fight. I'll be really curious to see who takes the kicking initiative in the first, because I think it's going to be there for both guys. Um, you know, but even if uh, Figueredo comes out um, on point, aggressive, counters on point, Moreno still is just durable as hell, and he's shown he can come back from tough rounds. Like, even that 10-8 that round where he almost gets finished against Pantoja in the rematch... Uh, he comes back pretty strong in that second round. It's insane, like how well he can re-comport re himself uh, between rounds, Moreno. Um, and I think that's going to be huge. And I think basically Figueroa is going to have to walk a fine line again, kind of like the first fight, and land uh, the more damaging shots and hope the judges are giving credit for him. Um, there will be a crowd to react, but that crowd is going to be a primary Los Angeles pro Latinx crowd. Latino crowd, right, uh, for Brandon Moreno. Uh, so, uh, you know, especially this part of Mexico is actually not even that far uh, from Southern California. So I'm sure he's going to have a lot of family and stuff in the audience. So you're going to have a pro-Moreno crowd, which is going to help him and help the judges hopefully see his counters and exchanges. 
Uh, but if Figueredo doesn't do enough damage long term, uh, that fight lasting damage like he did in that first fight, with all the hematomas, cuts, and fouls, right? Let's be honest. Um, like he had to do all that. Uh, and with those fouls came breaks, right? Where Figure, if you look back, like those fouls came at really important parts of the fight where Figueredo was able to get second wins. You know, I feel like, in other words, the planet really had to align. I know he still got a draw and he should have won the fight, so it's not even like the gods graced him. But with that kind of performance, that's still the performance that he needs to win, regardless of how it shook out. And I feel like the planets really aligned in that sense. Um, and you know, speculatively, but lastly, but not leastly, and perhaps more importantly, the weight cut. Um, you were like, well, he made weight on short notice, you know? And that's the thing, you know, I know uh, a real common thing is, you know, fight ready, changes lives, fight ready, you know, and, you know, science, and we none of us can really say why. And, you know, let's be honest, it's, it's probably some air quote science going on for sure there. And it's fine. It's cool. It's whatever. They're doing a good job. But at the same time, like, Figueredo, do, do we not forget, like, Figueredo, like, was telling that he was in the shape of his life and, like, was shredded and cut looking into the second one? And um, it's these weight cuts, man. They just, they've made inconsistent, he's had inconsistent performances. And if you actually break it down, um, the fights where he looks bad, he loses the decision to, I know he says he has injury and some other things with Formiga, and Formiga is a G, you know, his old school G, his time has passed, but you, know, you got to give him credit. Um, but if you look at that fight, and then you look at um, this last fight, the common thread was, is that outside of his, outside of his last regional fight to his first fight with Marco Beltran, which you can still kind of maybe count as regional, no offense to Marco Beltran, um, if you look at it any time, at least in the UFC against meaningful competition, there's only twice where he is fought at the six-month marker over, and that was against Formiga. He loses, and that was against the second time against Moreno. He loses. In other words, is that you could argue two things, that his body is going to be performing much better and make weight much easier when it's used to it because, again, there's a reason why people like myself have been calling for a fantasy fight at Bantamweight between him and Figueredo and Peter Jan since 2018 now, almost four years now, folks, is because the guy has been long for Bantamweight. He's not long for this division, um, and I really believe that. And I know Moreno is bigger, looks bigger in certain senses and measures bigger, but that's not how these things work. I mean, Figueredo is just really stripping himself down to the bone and muscle. And I don't like that. Everybody's like, oh, fight right. But he like, oh, good a shape he is. Like, he's shredded. Like, dude, he's always shredded. Like, why are we so, like, he can win this fight and I stand by this and I still think it's fucking stupid. Everybody, Figueredo can win and cash all your bets, but him fucking looking shredded means fucking nothing. He always looks shredded. He can win, but that, this statement is fucking true. He always looks shredded. Well, and then he's draining himself even more, you know. And and, and people are gonna be like, oh, he made weight. Oh, your you know your prediction said it depended on the weight cut, and you picked Moreno inside the distance. Spoiler alert. Um, I was gonna pick him by decision, but between him being in the sauna as early as you know Tuesday night and bragging about it, looking sucked out in the sauna, I'm not a weight cutting expert, folks. But can any method tell you that saunaing on a Tuesday night, especially in a division like flyweight, where you're already cutting a large percentage of your of your body weight, one of the hardest weight cuts in the book because you just it's so hard to maintain that level, especially as you get older, 34 even. Coincidence. Last four years have been his hardest cuts. 
it's like that window of that Moreno fight that keeping him in Vegas. It's like I think that was his his, his last window. You know, like oh, but damn, but he made the way. Like making the way, it's one thing, man. Like that, that that was probably the focus of his camp. How much is left for his fight? You know, he sounded just out of it as he was trying to force uh, beef. And by the way, you know, ever since Rousey home and all these other things, like when they force beef like that, like it's always a bad sign. Um. Yeah, man. So it's like, and he, he's working on wrestling and weight cutting, like. So he's gonna go out there and wrestle Moreno and tire himself out. Um, and Moreno's a guy who can sub you from the back too. Like that's how he made his career of opportunities to subs off his back. Like okay. Um, you know, I feel like. Uh, I was I was looking to play overs here. Um, but uh, even though over like three point five is probably still safe, but it's I think it's gonna be a finish within that round, like rounds four or five. Um, if not decision for Moreno who pulls away late, so it, it, it you know, uh, I'll be I'll still be rooting for over betters. I still think over is in play, but I ended up picking Moreno by um, finish, and I changed it by decision after seeing the press conference. Now again, I know Figueroa jumped up and looked great on the scales and da 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 da, but it's just like, who know you know who knows um, like uh, what what's gonna be left. A lot can happen in the rehydration that can go wrong. Um, be interesting to see the weight since they're in California, but yeah, man, having to suck yourself out from that early and drying yourself out that, that early, like, I don't know, man, uh, I'm going to go with the more consistent fighter, uh, the better adjuster, uh, Brandon Moreno. Uh, I don't like the price for the price. I get, I get the price tag while you're betting Davis and Figueredo. Um, I wouldn't bet more. I was hoping this price was going to go down. Like if it goes down to minus 150 or under. Um, I may take a shot on Moreno because it's hard to find an angle. It's like, do you sprinkle an over, over submission, or you combo over in decision, you know? Uh, but again, Figueredo's live, so it's maybe I just sit back and enjoy that. I was maybe going to look to parlay, especially if Figueredo looked garbage on the scales. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't mean nothing because obviously with that statement I just said, clearly I'm respecting how he looked on the scales. But it also, I will say, I'll talk on the other side of my mouth too. Um, which I don't really feel like it is, is that, you know, it, it also doesn't matter. You know, we, we've seen it a bunch of times with, with other fighters uh, in general, not just not just Figueredo, you know. Um, it's just hard to bet on a guy. Like, you don't know how he's going to look. I just think he's due for 135, and that's that's more my fate here. Um, all right, next fight, uh, Michel Pejeda, minus 280. Andre Fialo, uh, plus 225. Basically, this is dogger pass. I was really close to pulling the trigger on Andre Fialo. Maybe it's because he's an awkward-looking bald dude as well, uh, like Dusko Todorovic, who knocked Michelle Pejeda out four years ago. And if you go every four years thing, Michelle Pejeda, that's only when he gets finished, is every four years he's due to get finished again. Um, little tinfoil hat there, but I feel like, you know, he doesn't like boxing range. That's the range Fialo's going to fight for. Um but with the big cage, I think Michelle Pajeda is going to have plenty of room to A, dance around, and B, hit his uh, level-changing takedowns. The guy's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, uh, as well as wrestling accolades and uh, wrestling awards regionally in Brazil. Um, whereas Fialo uh, trains with a lot of good wrestlers um, when he's done his camps uh, at Henry Hoof. I can't tell how recently he's done one there. Um, so he's going to have a lot of those looks, and his wrestling has gotten better. Like He's really technical. 
you know, he'll go for the, you know, the Dagestani handcuff, the cross wrist ride, punch, you know, offensively and defensively, like he knows what to do. Um, he just doesn't have the athletic, he, he's got heavy hands, Fialo does, but he just doesn't have the explosiveness as far as that athleticism goes, offensively or defensively, which is why even when it looks like he's got that third round momentum marching a guy down, you know, which is what he should be doing, maybe he could recreate and, and, and do more of what Nico Price had success of and should have been doing doing more of himself in that third round. But um, I forget what fight it was. Um, again, the PFL. Um, not even like Chris, Cur- Chris Curtis lit him up, but is even the fight like he won or whatever. Like, uh, yeah, he was just getting taken down really easily. Oh, yeah, Glyco Franco. Um, maybe he didn't win that one, but there was an argument for damage. But, yeah, like... Frank is big, granted, but he uh, was dead tired and was just uh, was 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 getting takedowns that I wasn't sure he should have gotten. Um, which makes me think Vajeda can. Vajeda uh, seems like he's due for a finish, and Fialo is do or die. Um, he seems like he really takes you know some hard hitters and the right combination of things to stop him in his defense. Uh, and I don't think he's been subbed. I'll check that now. Um, but uh, it doesn't really matter because I'm actually going to pick Pajeda by decision. I think you get a decent number on that. Um, maybe I'll sprinkle on it. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, I think Pajeda, you know, he doesn't need another decision, but I think that's kind of the fighter he's been evolving into. And, uh, yeah, he's never been subbed. He's been knocked out twice, and I saw both. Those took a lot to get him out of there. So, uh, yeah, I'm honestly going to go by Pajeda by decision. Curious what the number you can get on that is. Uh up right now. Pedo wins inside plus 110. Pedo wins by decision plus 200. Yeah, I may sprinkle on that. Who knows? Because other, otherwise, I was going to stay away. It is a dog or pass. Otherwise, I don't think the line should be that wide. I get why it is. I, just, I still think that Fiala is a little bit of a live dog, but not live enough for me to take him or pick him. Uh, next fight is uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov, 195. Cody Stamen plus 165. This was tough. I went back and forth. I had to sleep on this one. And I woke up this morning, and uh, I went with Cody Stamen. I wanted to go with him anyways. I don't know if it means anything that Saeed Nurmagomedov, that outside the heavyweights, was the last guy to the scale. I know he used to fight at 125, so by that logic, he shouldn't have trouble making 135, but the dude's big, man. Um, he was just a string bean kid was why he was making 125. Like, you just look at his shoulders, like, uh, I, I, I w- he'll easily be finishing his career at 145. Um, so, you know, I, hard weight cuts not past it. Um, it doesn't look like the, like as big of a problem like his, uh, his comrade uh, Zabit, as far as gassing in the third round. But his style, naturally, he will slow down, especially if he wrestles as much as Stamen makes him wrestle. And Stamen, this is going to ultimately be a close fight, and I feel like if you're picking or playing Stamen here, we're setting ourselves up um, for a split decision heartbreak pretty much um, is what I read on this one, but I'm still going to pick and even sprinkle on Stamen anyways, just a half unit. Uh, because even though he does have that neutralizing and countering that the judges I love and the judges don't, um, he does wrestle much more than my, what my memory led on. Um and was more successful against really good guys than what I realized. We just haven't seen him against these tall types before. Um, he was actually doing pretty good against um, Aljo, but Aljo actually hits him with a 
a different style uh, of those kick same side check counters, but like, uh, you know, I, and I'm not trying to make too much of the sloppy one that Saeed Nurmagomedov put Mark Striegel out with, um, but he does throw uh, shots that even if he's not meant to check, can check his opponents on the way in, and I see those kind of tagging up Stamen early, but if he can stay, uh, keep his composure, um, you know, I think he's durable enough. I mean, he, he seems like he's durable enough to stay in there. And as far as the kicks go, uh, if we forget, Stamen used to throw a lot of kicks himself too, especially in his regional career, because he came up training with Darren Crookshank. So uh, he both had that look coming at him and has shown that he can implement that look himself, which tells me that I'm guessing he's pretty decent at re-engineering something. You're good at doing something, you're, you're pretty decent at defending it generally. Uh, striking, it can be much more willy-nilly than submissions, of course. But as far as his general spins and stuff, it's not going to be something that he's not used to seeing. Um, uh, you know, I like where Stamen's at for this fight. You know, I know he said that in his last one against Marab, complete different style matchup uh, as far as being in shape early and having that pre-camp. Um, but I like that. I like that he doesn't have to worry about the weight cut. He can focus on fighting. Um, and, uh, and basically, I just think it's going to be a close fight that I think he can wrestle and, and get to enough positions um which is what uh barcelos did obviously he doesn't have the jujitsu acumen and the head and arm catches and that kind of a style which i believe was kind of needed um against saeed because saeed will explode um to get up and give certain things like his back which i could see actually paying off against a guy like stamen if stamen just rides him like a wrestler but I know Stamen has really made some advancements in his ground game, working down here in Vegas, 10th Planet, uh, with Casey Halstead, who's more of a top game. He's not like your typical 10th Planet guy. They've got a lot of pros in that room as well, so it's a much more MMA-centric room. Um, also working with guys like Joseph Benavides, who's been in his corner, who I believe will be in his corner. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I really like... Uh, could see him, you know, he's really strong from the front headlock. I don't know if he... He catch a guillotine, which would be sweet, but I do think that he can reverse from front headlock, uh, which we've seen people reverse Saeed from uh, front headlock. He's got decent wrestling and sensibilities, but it's kind of the same thing, and he will give his head heavy, uh, again, which is going to be bad against a better wrestler, especially one who's good from front headlock position. So it's going to be a sweat, but if it's going to be close, you know what? I'm going to go with the dog, and if I'm going to go with the dog, I might as well sprinkle on him, right? Um, It's not super confident, but... uh. You know, this could be one where Stamen wins and the judges take it from us. Uh, that's what I feel like it's honestly set up for, but I'm, I'm, I'm fucking walking in anyways. Um, hero status, we'll see. Uh, Adolfo Vieira no longer fighting. That fight's off. Same with uh, Tapuria. And um, fucking Charles Jourdain. Uh, Annie Barcelos, minus 510. Victor Henry, plus 375. Um, first leg of the parlay, uh, taking Barcelos. Um, I broke this down before and I couldn't remember it. So I had to go back and watch some Victor Henry. I'm like, oh yeah, Victor Henry is really tough on the ground. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, of course, as well as has the catch wrestling background under Josh Barnett. Um, but his wrestling itself, not so great. And that's going to be the biggest advantage here. Barcelos, I believe is also the better striker, but, uh, Henry is a bit crafty, can be frustrating. I could see him checking Barcelos using, uh, some length early. Uh, hitting him with some checking shots, but Barcelos will, you know, hit let be hitting leg kicks, adjusting, and then probably looking for the takedown. Henry will make it competitive, uh, but he doesn't have the knockout power 
or the consistent stoppages. Like when he stops dudes, it's like older Japanese dudes are outmatched fighters. Um, like TKO stoppages. You know what I'm saying? So I don't see him getting the upset knockout. I don't see him submitting Barcelos. Uh, although I see him making it competitive and being able to survive on the ground. Uh, for that reason, I think it's going to be another Barcelos decision, which is like all the way up at plus 200. Um, which isn't like super high, but comparatively to him inside the distance, which is near even, it seems like they think that he's going to get a, a finish here. And I think that's just the typical people going, oh, he's minus 500. That means he's going to finish, right? Which is the biggest fucking mistake in the book, folks. Um, says the guy parlaying the big number guy, which is already kind of a big mistake, but not as big as just assuming they're a big number means they're going to fucking win inside the distance. No. Uh, that being said, looking for angles is not bad. Uh, you just got to use your head with it. That being said, watch, he's going to get a finish now, right? He's going to fucking submit him and neck crank him and like force a tap. Um, but that being said, I think it's going to be a decision. Give me plus 200. I sprinkled a quarter unit on there. Um, that way if this parlay crumbles and, and Barcelos comes through decision, hey, at least like we, we made at least, you know, um, half of it back, right? So, uh, there's that. Uh, next fight, Michael Morales, which, is that the Spider-Man that, uh, I don't know. There's, there's so many Spider-Man iterations now. Minus 115, Trevin Giles, Jay Giles, minus 105. Um, I ended up taking Jay Giles, but, uh. Everyone uh, hunting that dog money for the more experienced guy. I get that. Um, he's the more dangerous puncher uh, as far as knockout power. And he, uh, I don't even think Mike Morales is ranked. If anything, it's like a blue belt, if anything. But uh, Jay Giles, of course, is a brown belt. Um, so he's going to be the better uh, submission fighter. I think he can win out the scrambles. Uh, but Morales is probably going to be the better wrestler. Um, in that sense, you know, so I, scrambles will have to definitely work for and be more jujitsu savvy scrambles to win them. Uh, because, uh, from judo to like Greco style, it looks like wrestling. It seems to be like what Morales can really likes to do, get to that body lock, some upper body stuff. Uh, he really likes, um, and not overhyping him. I didn't give him a high grade, but I did. He did remind me of a raw amalgamation of a young John Jones and Kevin Holland. Um, with his body type, again, not like in a hype way. Don't get excited when I say that, that name. Um, so like he could be very surprising, but kind of like I put in my contender series article, I don't say this about a lot of guys, but like, it's way too, it's way clear that the guy spends too much time in big love sparring, um, with the way he keeps his guard. Uh, so even though he seems like he has good eyes and exchanges, Michael Morales, he gets hit with some really obvious shots early. That's not going to be good for Jay Giles, uh, against Jay Giles. Uh, I think he can pierce in and around that guard. Um, but if he doesn't finish him, then he leaves himself open to uh, to get finished. Um, and with pretty much 30 fights between them, and they've only seen the scorecards five times between those 30. It's like 29 fights, so pretty much 30. Five times out of 30. And you're going to give me under two and a half at plus 155, like shit, plus 150, at least of what I got it for. Um, I, I gotta take that. I hate betting unders. It's like your typical fucking, you know, MMA gambler bet, you know, let, let's, 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 let's go unders. I'm more of an over guy, you know, you know me, I, I, not to be contrarian, but when you're wrong about the over, you get an exciting fight and you're right. You make money or you can make money and get an exciting fight. Whereas, um, unders, you can get exciting and make money, but like, I don't know. It's just, you know, when that underpass and you just, oh, it's a long, boring fight. It just feels, it can feel tedious sometimes. I don't know. 
I just, with my luck, it's more of me speaking out of my luck here. I hate betting unders, folks. You guys know that. Uh, but this one just seems too good to be true, and I probably said it right there. Um, but yeah, it just it just it just makes too much it just makes too much sense from for uh, in my eyes if they're going to give us that coverage. Uh, I only took a half unit shot, so half unit on that plus one fifty, half unit stamen plus one fifty five. I know you can get better lines out there. I got them at stamen at plus one sixty one at other house, but you know me, I don't sit there and fib lines or go with the bat now i'll fucking i'll round under you know <laughs> you know one of the few guys who rounds under <laughs> same with the ladies too i just i just you know i'll, I'll sell myself short that way you can surprise them you know <laughs> jesus damn that's a real long play <laughs> listen no i'm gonna go under here though uh plus money baby um Next leg of the parlay, Jack Della Madalena. Della Madalena. I want to hear, uh, you know, uh, freaking, uh, what's his name? Uh, he's living the dream. Michael Chavello. Uh, call this guy another Australian Aussie, right? Jack Della Madalena. Um, Pete Rodriguez, uh, plus 280. I actually went back to watch some of his fights. He looks like he's a pretty, ta pretty talented dude who could throw some hands from both stances, Southpaw and Orthodox. So he's been doing jujitsu from a young age, so he doesn't have any accolades or rank that he lists or is visible on his IG that I saw. Uh, Madalena, of course, is a brown belt. It looks the part, can scramble his ass off, and a better, more technical boxer who also fights from both stances. More experienced, uh, seems more experienced and savvy than his resume leads on. One of the few to get A-plus from me from Dana White Contender Series. You usually look to fade those guys. Um, this guy, especially in a matchup like this, it's, it's priced accordingly. So I took him, and since Pete Rodriguez is being rushed to market at like four and zero, like all first round finishes, um, and and this is going to be a high paced fight between them. If it survives the second round, it's probably going to end there. If it survives the third round, I definitely see it ending there. Um, I'm even going to shout the Master of Love, Derek Love, and as well as D Love too. Even though it's the Master of Love is who I, the original uh, third round shouts go for this. Um, I'm gonna put the I'm gonna put that that juju on there as well, and and, and give my dude D Love. He's got his own another guy D Love, Dustin Love, of course, different cat, but another good cat himself. He's got his own show, so I definitely want to shout him. Um, give him some love too. <clears throat> I'm saying that because we've been guys, we've been off too long. We've been shooting this machine gun too long of the target to not hit that damn bullseye right on these round props. Um, and I know there are some that I've been way off on, but there's been a lot of, a majority, I will say, I'm hitting right around that fucking bullseye. We are due, goddammit. So, uh, 0.17 units, round two, plus 400, 0.17 units. So, there's a 17, small, small folks. Uh, on round three, baby, round three special, D-Love special, plus 900, okay? That's what we're gonna do there. Um, so kind of like with the Barcelos, what I like to do with these parlay legs is if the parlay falls apart, at least we have little angles that we can make, if not all, a majority of the money back with just one of these things hitting, with just one of these darts that are amidst our, our, our parlay legs, right? That's kind of the way I like to layer them. I didn't do any layering for the next one, though, which is Tony Gravely, Gravely, minus 250 versus uh, Simon, Simon, brah. Oh, I'll get some Simon, brah, Oliveira. Plus 200. Um, Gravely just, I did not want to put him in the parlay, man. This was a, this was a result of, uh, you know, 
uh, fights falling out. Figueredo looking good on the scale. Um, in case I wanted to cheat it and try to use Moreno as a parlay leg. Get ballsy. Uh, no, I ended up going with Gravely. Um, he's the kind of guy I want to look I'll, I'll look to fade because he always looks he's going to fall apart. You know, he, he can get knocked out or submitted. Um, Simon Oliveira, despite looking like Paco from Bloodsport and fighting like him, um, he's got more submissions than knockouts. So I don't think we got to worry about the upset knockout, which was the first upset knockout in Gravely's defense, though I believe a lot of his losses are kind of club and sub-esque. He can be hurt in there. Um, but he comes from a Taekwondo background, which is different than Muay Thai, but I don't got to worry about the kick so much. But uh, I say that because he Taekwondo, you get to read spins pretty damn well. And if you go read my grading the winners uh, on Oliveira, is he spins too much for my liking. And really, he just spins and meanders too much, you know? Like, he's really got to set it up kind of like he has to have the kind of the perfect shot, um, which kind of really feels very Astro Fight Team-esque if you look at, like, early Astro Fight Team Darren Till. Darren Till, fucking Till. Um, right, you know? And, and there's a lot of that in there. And you're just giving Gravely too much time to either set up and clock you with his big right hand when you spin... Or change levels and take you down. Excuse me. Working at American Top Team, I got to imagine the guillotine was the focus since this guy's like a, a Vorley Alves in the sense of like all his submission wins by being a Muay Thai guy is by guillotine. Um, Gravely for his handful of submission losses, only one is by guillotine. Uh, that was in 2018 though, but that was also by Patchy Mix, um, who again is a long limb guy like Oliveira. Who, who really relies on that. So if he lets his guard down and gets a little overconfident, he could really pay for it. So he's really got to um, defend right away uh, or at least defend in the motion of his double legs and getting clearing those legs uh, for Gravely. But as long as he doesn't get caught speeding there, I feel like he wins this fight any way he wants. And for that reason, I couldn't say decision. I couldn't say knockout or submission, uh, which is why he is, he you know, if you are gonna play him, you throw him in a in a in a, in a parlay for an amount you don't you don't feel too bad if you know if it crashes and burns, um, because either that or you stay the fuck away in my opinion. Um, it's really too hard to find an angle for this fight. The totals uh, aren't enticing to me where they're set. So, yeah, uh, Gravely will be the third leg. You pair him with Hayoni at five twenty and Jack at three fifty is what I got him for, um, plus one fourteen. Uh, even with the numbers, some being higher, some being lower. I feel like if you just pair those three, you could still do that for plus money, for your plus money pairing, of chalk trio there. That's what I'm on. That's what's going to be on the odds checker article. The stamen play won't. The under will. Um, so uh, you got to be here for the extras, right? Um, next fight, uh, Matt, we'll get through these ones quick because I didn't really uh, research these ones because I wasn't aiming to target these ones. Frivola minus 200, uh, Gennaro Valdez plus 170. This feels like Frivola should roll. Um, and if he's smart, he should, you know, take it to the ground, either get it done by submission or a decision. I have wanted to play the submission, but I feel like it's going to be sneaky by decision for Frivola. And this sounds weird, but like, it feels straightforward, but like we've seen Frivola get caught cold in first rounds, uh, get caught cold by a Mexican regional fighter who's not supposed to be that great on paper, right? So this kind of has smacks of those similarities and that's kind of scary. Um... Let's see what is for Vola by decision plus one eighty inside the yeah, it's too cl it's really close. It's hard to tell, uh, which is going to keep me away from this one. Plus, there's that upset special perhaps in round one if you if you're betting Valdez, if you're taking the dog here, I feel like you should just take round one and get better odds, even though you're already getting you know kicking for coverage, I suppose. 
Um, but I'm just not too confident either. And part of the reason is because I heard uh, Ray Longo on the Anakin Florian podcast. And, you know, they're always kind of shooting the shit. And they're always busting Ray's balls. So they can kind of pierce the armor a bit. And, you know, I don't know how good his poker face is. But, like, I don't know if Frivola's dealing with something or what. But, like, and I know, like, you know, I, I joke, like, I feel like both Sarah and Longo on different programs have been burying Aljo going, fucking Peter Yan, with, with the way they compliment Peter Yan. Like, man, not even they're confident in their guy. Uh, but that being said, generally, they're always, like, you know, homering for their guys, of course. And between homering for your guy and having what should be a stylistically feasible matchup and you're, you're a favorite, um, Longo didn't sound like his guy was the favorite. He was just, like, he sounded worried, like his guy was dealing with something. He was... They asked him about it. It sounded like an easy question, an easy pitch, you know, for Vola ready to go. And Longo was just like, eh, you know, we're going to be rooting for him. This is a real important one. Yeah. And I was just like, what the fuck is that all about? That's weird. Like, I know this is a weird, random thing to go off of, folks. And especially since I didn't do my fucking homework on this. Uh, it sounds like I'm just leaning into this shit. But no, I would be mentioning this anyways. Um, there's a flag there, somewhere in there. I don't know, man. Red flag for the redhead here, okay? Picks for Vola, but it's a red flag there. I'd be real curious if, if if it plays out bad and there's a reason. There's legs to that theory, you know what I'm saying? Um, Vanessa Demopoulos, minus 140. Uh, Silvina Gomez-Juarez, uh, taking the underdog here, but she actually opened as a slight favorite. Um, I just don't feel like there's much technique to Demopoulos from what I remember, and Juarez is pretty scrappy. Um... And I think maybe a little bit more of a process, striking-wise. So uh, I picked her, but don't. I'm not playing it, even though she's an underdog. I'm not confident. I didn't research it, folks. Um, this seems like a fadeable line, but I still like Kay Hansen, minus 235. Uh, Jasmine plus uh, 190. Um, yeah, I feel like Hansen should be the more stronger fighter, but it's tough because she's coming up a weight class. She's going to be shorter. Still feel like she's going to bulldoze Jazz Devisius over. I don't know if she gets a sub finish. I think that's what she's going to be working toward. Um, I'll go Kay Hansen, but I'm not too confident in any angles there. Uh, But the pick is Kay Hansen. All right. How did we do? 57 under an hour. Not bad. All right. Recapping. I didn't do this the last time. Sorry. Going to recap picks and plays. Top to bottom. Taking Nganu over Gone. Taking Moreno over Figgy taking Pajeda over Fialo. Taking Stamen over Nurmagomedov. Taking Barcelos over Henry. Taking Jay Giles over Morales. Taking De La Madalena over Rodriguez. Taking Gravel over uh, Paco Oliveira. Taking Steamroller Favola over Valdez. Holly Gennaro. Trying to get to Holly Gennaro. Taking Gomez Juarez over Demopolis. Taking Hansen over Jez Divisius. Parlay, Madalena, uh, Barcelos, and Gravely for plus 114 at one unit. Took a shot at Steven at plus 155 for a half a unit. Probably take a shot at Ngano depending on how the night's going. We'll have time. We'll see where the line moves. Props, uh, Morales got Jake Isles under 2.5 plus 150, half a unit. Sprinkled on Jack De La Madalena, round two plus 400, 0.17 U. Sprinkled round three as well on him, plus 900, 0.17 U. Sprinkled Barcelos by decision, plus 200, 
.25U. What was the other decision I may be looking at here? Possibly to play AU is it? AU is it? I don't even fucking know. You gotta go listen to the podcast. Um, I probably won't do it, but uh, yeah, with somebody. Somebody once told me the world was gonna blow me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. Alright. He was looking kinda dumb with his belly full of... Alright, and we're gonna go on that note. Good luck on your picks and plays, folks. And always protect your necks.